WoundedWarriorProject.org. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033K277DQ, Lafayette, a Town Square media station. The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best, the best. The best? ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show on a Monday. You know, some Mondays are busier than others. Some Mondays stand out more than others. This is a Monday that stands out. My goodness. Not only was yesterday Selection Sunday, but Will Wade was fired over the weekend. Tom Brady unretired. Some poor sap spent $519,000 on a touchdown. Brady threw in a playoff loss to the Rams, thinking it was his last touchdown ever. NFL free agency, the legal tampering period, can begin this morning at 11 a.m., meaning you'll see some deals that are agreed upon today. And we had a busy weekend on the Diamond. As far as UL softball and baseball goes, we'll hold off on that until our coach interviews. Coach Jerry Glasgow around 7.15, Coach Matt Deggs at 8.15. And between that, we'll have open phone lines and we'll hit on a little bit of everything else. Oh, yeah, the Saints linked to Deshaun Watson. You know... There are a lot of strong opinions out there when it comes to Deshaun Watson. There is. And the reality is, I I would rather the Saints take a pass here and, and not make a trade. For several reasons. One, some of the, you know some of the, the ideas or reports rather being thrown out there as far as what what the what the Texans are looking for is a crazy amount you'd be giving up. Three first round picks, other picks, and two or three talented young players. No, and I don't know that the Texans have a lot of leverage to demand that. But that's an astronomical amount. As far as Ryan Ramchick being in that group, uh, he just restructured his contract to take his cap number down to eight point four million, and if he was included in a team. That would jump up to $37.7 million and the Saints would be paying it while he'd be on another team. So, no, his contract isn't really tradable this year. Second, even though Watson was cleared of criminal charges, 
there are still a lot of civil suits pending as well as a likely NFL suspension. Oh, he was suspended last year. No, he wasn't. The Texans sat him out all year. Third, I don't like what he did. I don't think anyone should. Oh, well, Scott, you got guys on the Saints team. Look, the Saints are an organization that isn't exactly, um, hey, we're, we're, we're too good to sign this guy or that guy. And they waited for Carl Granderson to get out of jail, and then they signed him as a UDFA. And I get that Jameis Winston has a few incidents from his past, and I, I honestly, I don't like that Winston groped an Uber driver when he was wasted. Now, he was suspended for it. He was very remorseful for it. You know, just because Watson wasn't criminally charged with anything doesn't mean there wasn't some shady things happening. And you hear and read some of the reports from some of the alleged victims. And no, I don't like it at all. And he doesn't seem very remorseful at all. So I, I, for a number of reasons, it's a pass. But a lot of signs are pointing to it to it actually happening. And I would, I'd be lying if I told you, well, suddenly if that happens, I won't root for the Saints anymore because I still will. If it comes to pass, we'll talk more about it and I guess some of the, the complicated matters. But there's a number of reasons I, I hope it does. And if it doesn't, he's likely going to the Carolina Panthers. They've made a strong offer. He has a no-trade clause in his contract. Reports are that he would like New Orleans is what he's leaning toward, and the fact that he has a no-trade clause means it might happen. Jameis Winston, he's set to become an unrestricted free agent. Again, you'll hear more today because the NFL legal tampering period is going to begin at 11 a.m. Then free agency officially starts um, Wednesday. And that's when, you know, players can begin to actually sign on, on the dotted line. Why did it take LSU so long to, to fire Will Wade? We'll get into that later. Tom Brady being back, we'll get into that later. The NCAA tournament, we will get into that later. The brackets, Tom Brady kind of kind of cucked the the selection show. It was good to see the selection show, man. Two years ago, canceled. Last year, it was different in terms of the days it was being played, and it was kind of still within a bubble. Good to see Selection Sunday back in full force. As I mentioned, we'll talk to Coach Glasgow at 715, Coach Deggs at 815, open phone lines between that, 337-269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Good morning. Welcome in. How are you? Um, doing well. I understand that the Saints, this is a, this is a business. I understand that they have to, you know, cover their tracks. But if I was Winston, it's time to move on. Uh, this, I understand, you know, the injury and everything. The team has to look at it with the injury. Can he bounce back from this uh, knee injury? I think that Winston is going to be a stiller. I've been saying it for a while. I think that Tomlin is the type of coach that can give him the confidence that he needs um, moving forward. I think Winston will get a offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, 
I don't know what's going to happen with the Saints. I'll just talk about Jimmy G, whatever. I don't want to hear that. I do not want to hear that. This man cannot throw a ball past 20, 25, 30 yards. Why would you want that as your quarterback? I also, I also, you know, there's, there's, you have to give up compensation to get some of these other names that are out there, like, you know, draft picks, other things. I mean, that's Winston's a free agent by all reports wants to go back. Um, but it's just a reminder, and I guess to your point, that the Saints are not sold on Jameis Winston. Yeah, for whatever reason, they're not. Uh, like I said, it could be the knee injury. It just could be. I, I know. I read an interview with Sean Payton this weekend, basically uh, saying that it's lazy, a lazy narrative when we always mention when when media always mention the 2019 season. You know, we're not looking at that as a whole. We're just looking at interceptions. As an individual stat, we're not looking at it as a team game, you know. But anyway, um, yeah, I think Winston's going to move on. Now, Deshaun Watson, I would love uh, for Watson to play for the Saints. Um, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter to me, though, the situation he went through, because I, I think that there wasn't any smoke there. You know, we, we can we can agree to disagree on that. Uh, but I agree with you on this. Are you giving up too much to get him? You know that that could be an issue. You know, um, but I, I see Watson. I see Watson in Carolina for some reason. I don't see him in New Orleans. But if the Saints pull off the deal, I would be it would I would be ecstatic and I would be happy for him to play with the Saints. But I, I and, and I would feel kind of icky, but I would still root for the Saints. I'm not going to act like I wouldn't either. You know, I mean that's where I'm at with it all. You feel like Pete Inkovillian? Uh I don't I I don't get the reference, but okay. Pete Inkovillian. They call him Icky. Oh, oh, oh. All right, there you go. Yeah, anyway, that was kinda of corny. You have a good one, thank you. <laughs> thank you. ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. Like I said, we got a busy Monday. We got our coaches' interviews. We're gonna do those. We're gonna have open phone lines between. We'll get into Brady. We'll get into Will Wade. LSU, by the way, a six seed. Take it on Iowa State in the Midwest region. Coach K. Coach K must be upset that he said he wanted to be playing close. He wanted to be in the Midwest. That's where he wanted to be. That's where he wanted to be. The East is stacked, by the way. I'm just glad it's March. Speaking of, what is the best sports month of the calendar? March, October, December, something else. Vote over on Twitter at ESPN Lafayette. That is the handle right now. Just put the poll up. Got 20 quick votes in. 50%. 10 of the votes are saying October. 30% say March. 15 December. 5% other. Keep the votes coming in. Patty in the park this Thursday. Finally. We, that's that, what, what a week. March Madness. NFL free agency, St. Patrick's Day, Patty in the Park. Sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. This Thursday, gates open at 5. Music starts at 5.30. What kind of music? We're talking Clay Cormier, Wayne Toops, Tone Loke, Rob Bass, Quad City DJs. That's right. Tickets on sale now at any Legends locations for $20 or eventbrite.com. Get them now. They'll cost 25 day of kids 12 and under get in free. They got a photo booth sponsored by JT Mellick. They got a designated driver booth sponsored by Service Chevrolet. 
We got T-shirts to give away. We'll be throwing out a ton of them. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great week. Daylight savings time can go straight to hell, but that's another story. It's going to be a great week. Don't go anywhere. Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow joining me next on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The best ticket in sports. That's right, ESPN Lafayette, now 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you listen to us via the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Uh, Rage Cajun softball. Won the Sunbelt Conference Series over the weekend against Georgia State. Uh, dropped the first one, won the next two. Here to talk about that and more is the head coach of the Rage Cajun softball team, Coach Jerry Glasgow, who joins us every Monday during the season. Good morning, Coach. Uh, how you feeling today? Uh, I feel good. I slept good. And, you know, I feel good. A lot to think about with the uh, big Texas games coming up Wednesday. And, you know, it's... Uh, uh, it's just uh, the, to follow this young team is uh, it's um, as we said in the preseason. You know, it's kind of an up and down thing, and frustrating. A lot of frustrating moments, and then there's a lot of really exciting moments where they, you know, you can see the potential that's in the in this group. Coach, you um, you're 20 games into this season. What word would you use to describe your team after the first 20 games? What word, I guess, would be best used to describe it? I think that they're, I think they're almost exactly where I thought they would be. Um, I think we're really, especially when you factor in that you know we have very little. We we have a really young team coming into the season. We knew that we're fine with that because they're because they're very young, but they also have a lot of talent. Um, but then when you factor in, we've lost uh, Rain O'Neill, who is our leader, you know, our captain and our leader, and the most experienced player on the roster. Uh, when you take her out of the equation, then I. You know, as I was sitting around here thinking about it last night, and I feel like, yeah, it's, you know, just about where we want to be. Um, I think offensively, they've got to become more consistent. I want to see the consistency come, become better, right? Like, we, we've got to learn how to play in big games. We've got to learn how to be consistent in uh in the little games, you know, we learned that this weekend with Georgia State. Um, you can't take a night off. You can't you can't have a bad game and, and and drop a game like we dropped to Georgia State and accomplish the things that we want to accomplish throughout the season. On the other hand, like I, I'm thinking about, like as a coaching, as a coach or as a hitting coach and being responsible for the offense, like what did I do wrong? You know, like what what did I what should I have done different? What should I have done better? And, and obviously, I, when I think back on it, I think well, I didn't have them focused because they were prepared. If they weren't prepared, they can't come back on Saturday. You know, you can't lose the first game on Saturday 4-1 to one, and you, whatever we scored the second game, a 9-10 runs, the same talent, the same preparation, went into both games. The difference was the focus. 
Um, so we got we got a young team, and we've got to put more emphasis on focus uh, and mental the mental side. I think as I look at that pitching, you know, you 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 can't been battling it out here with two starters, Lamb and Shorm, in the last couple of uh, weeks, and we've got a we'll, we'll, we're hoping that we'll get Landry uh, back in the mix here real soon. Um, and we, we've got a, we started out really good. We, we very minimal walks, very minimal, um, runs allowed. Then we got to get refocused as a pitching staff and, and really fine tune and get back to, to, to putting up more zeros on that scoreboard inning by inning. Um, I'm not talking about games, just go out there and inning by inning by inning, battle it out and give up, you know, the minimum number of runs possible. So I think with everything included, I don't think we're really far off of where anyone would expected us to have been early in the year. Now the positive signs, if you look at the positive signs, we've had really good play at shortstop. Uh, we've got Pisco's back now. I mean, it's not hard to watch Pisco's this weekend play and realize that hurt us a little bit while she was out. But it also might have made us better down the long run, down the stretch. Um, you know, not having her there, getting Mayu in there, finding out that Mayu could catch, that we could compete with her behind the plate, and giving our chance a team to, you know, give our team a, a chance to, to feel what it's going to feel like to play without that energy that Pisco's brings. I think that's, that was really... You know, that could end up being a positive, even though in the short run is probably not a good thing. So it's a, it's a, no one wants to be five losses. I don't want to be five losses. Nobody wants to be five losses. Nobody wants to be 15 and five. We all want to be, you know, 18 and two at this point in the season. But when you think about the season, you realize, you know, we don't have a Neil. Um, out there, our, our most proven player. Um, we've been without Piscos for quite a while there. Arguably our most uh, talented and, and most leadership type player. And then you, you've got Landry out. So I don't know that we're that far off of where we should be, but we definitely got to find a way to, to get better in a hurry. And that's kind of that's just kind of my flat, honest assessment of where we're at. Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. Coach, you mentioned Raina O'Neill and Sam Landry a number of times. Landry has uh, been very impressive uh, as a newcomer. When I look at the newcomers thus far, um, uh, for both of them, you mentioned Landry maybe being back soon and O'Neill being out. What is the status <laughs> of of Raina O'Neill and what is the status of Sam Landry right now from a health standpoint? I don't, uh, Landry's, Landry's, uh, day to day at this point. I mean, I think we're just, we're, we're being extremely cautious because she's such a talented young pitcher and we want to be, we want to be really careful with what we do here because she's a huge piece of our program for the next few years. Um, and so, Oh, this is just a normal. I think. I think it's a normal um, 
pitching type thing where um, there's nothing wrong, nothing, nothing seriously injured. It's just some soreness around the ribs, um, and, and we just want to be careful, you know, and and be be super cautious with her and bring her along slowly. And we've also got good. We know we've got enough arms to do that. Um, Raina has a hand injury, and it's looking like that's going to be a long-term. It's really unfortunate for her, but um, it's going to be a longer-term issue. We'll find out more as the week goes on. But, you know, originally I thought it was a, a, a one- or two-day thing, and, and now it's looking like a, a far more serious injury. So we'll know more, and it'll be when we know enough, There'll be an announcement later, but not yet at this time. Thank you, Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest. You mentioned the starting pitching earlier. Um, Megan Schwarman, she's looked really good this season in relief. Um, at, at times as a starter, maybe not quite as comfortable. As as somebody that's been around softball as long as you have, What from a mindset standpoint, and, and obviously you, I, I, you, know, you see the ceiling with Schwarman at times, and you're like, my goodness, I mean, she's – there's definitely a lot of talent there, but in terms of, I guess, preparing as a pitcher to start versus preparing in relief, kind of an inside softball perspective from you. I mean, it's as as an outsider, you kind of just look at the obvious differences, but what has to change uh, when you're a starter versus when you're coming in, you know, uh, in the middle of a game or just maybe not the middle of a game, but into a game that has already begun? Yeah, I think for Again, it's just a matter of getting comfortable. I think that she's with a new team, a new coaching staff, um, a new fan base. And our fan base is far different than the fan base where she pitched at Kentucky. I mean, there's expectations here, and there's a loud, boisterous crowd, which is great. We're so privileged to have that. But yet, it's it's another difference, you know, when she steps out on that field. I, I think she's. I don't think it's pressure. I think it's discomfort. I just think she's got to learn to get comfortable on on our field or you know in our dugout. And I think when she's comfortable, she's been so good. And and then I think. There's been moments when she's uncomfortable and then the performance hasn't been as good. And I think that's true of all pitchers. I think that what happens with a pitcher like Storm is she's so talented that when she's good, she's really good. And and yet, when she's uncomfortable, it's very noticeable because she's so good when she is comfortable. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time. As I, you always assume you're going to be successful at the end of the day. And I... Um, I assume that we're going to get this and Megan's going to overcome it uh, to where she can be comfortable often because she's enormously talented. And, and I, you know, I think it's it – I, I, I don't know how soon that can happen, but I'm hoping it can happen really quick. You know, I'd like to see her be able to give us the same type of effort um, against Texas if she gives against LSU. If she does, we I think we can be successful. So – it's fun and day to day, and that's one of the challenges that we're working. And you got to also remember, like she was off last season, so there's a little bit of rust. If you remember when Megan Clyde come in from Oregon after a year off, there was some early season there, and we didn't get to play the whole season out. But um, 
you know, early in that February, there were some moments when Megan didn't look, you know, like you'd remember seeing her on the field at Oregon 18, 20 months earlier. Um, that year off takes a little bit of time. And in February, you know, that's normal to see some rust show. And I think as the season goes on, you'll see her get more consistency and, 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 uh, don't don't underestimate uh, the being out of action that last season uh, for her. No doubt about it. Uh, you guys have Texas this Wednesday. You referenced it earlier, Coach. Great opportunity and a doubleheader at Yvette Gerard Field at Lamson Park. We'll have it on the air for you right here, ESPN Lafayette. Folks, if you're listening um, and if you get out to the ballpark, should be a good matchup. You know, I was um, saw a little bit of Texas. I know... You know, their their latest ranking in the back 20s, not top five, but a ranked team, um, always a challenge. And just a big opportunity uh, Wednesday, Coach, with them coming here to, uh, to Lafayette to take you guys on. I know we talk a lot about RPI and, you know, certain games and how they're balanced and how you have to approach the season as head coach of a, you know, of a, a nationally renowned team that plays in the Sun Belt. Uh, what's the key in your mind to this Wednesday, this Wednesday's doubleheader, and and what do the Longhorns bring to the table? Yeah, well, the Longhorns are they're a preseason top ten team, which tells you how much talent they've got. I mean, they've got enormous, they've got an enormously talented team. Um, they added some midseason transfers uh, that made them better. I mean, they added Dosini, the top pitcher from Fresno State. And, you know, a lot of people expect her to be the top transfer pitcher in the country this year. And they added a uh, an outfielder for Baylor, uh, a very good outfielder, um, to the mix and in January and midseason transfer. And, and as we found out last year, chemistry-wise, like that's, that's tricky. You know, that's, that changes the dugout a little bit. And I think that's part of the early season um, challenge for them, and that, that they've lost some games they just nobody would ever dream they would have lost. But as you see, they seem to get getting better and better. And we know at the end of the year they're going to be a top twenty-five team. There's there's just no way they can have that much talent in their dugout. They won't be a top twenty-five team. They also got an outstanding coach, Mike White. Um, he's going to put it together. It's just a matter of time. So so what that gives us it gives us opportunity to to, to compete against. You know, one of the most respected uh, and most talented programs in the country on our field. So it's a great, it's a great opportunity for us. Now, the key for us is to get out there and play ball. You know, like get out and come out with our with our pitching set, get our pitchers settled in, uh, keep the games low scoring, and, and then we got to get our offense being aggressive. And as we, you know, against Georgia State in Game One, we weren't attacking. As an offense, we were, we were tentative, but we weren't attacking. And I think in games two and three, we saw them attack the ball or attack attack the the at bat by getting in there and swinging. And one thing that you know we're working on this team is extremely talented at taking balls and strikes. They see ball strikes really well. Um, but you have to know when you when you want to attack and 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 when you want to when's a smart time to look for the walk and how to use the walk. And, and they're young, and I feel like they're doing a great job of eliminating strikeouts, 
one of the toughest teams to, to strike out that I've ever coached, this bunch of young kids. At the same time, there's times when we can't be looking for a walk and, and take a chance on getting struck out. So all those things that will come into play again on Wednesday night with Texas. And uh, and they've got a they've, they're, they're a high strikeout team. They're going, their pitchers are going, to, are going to strike you out a lot. So how our team responds to, you know, they've been holding their strikeouts down. Even against LSU, I think we only struck out eight times in two games. But when you get in against Texas, you can have eight, twelve strikeouts in one game, and you still got to get, you still got to find a way to manufacture six, seven runs. Um, if that happens, so how they handle all that mentally is going to be a key for this young team. Coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest. Uh, that is Wednesday against Texas, four o'clock. The start of game one, doubleheader. The first of three games against the Longhorns this year. The first two of three. They'll play one game at Texas two weeks later on March 30th. Uh, But Texas this Wednesday on the road against Georgia Southern this weekend. Coach, always appreciate you taking the time, being open, and uh, speaking to the fan base um, through this show each and every Monday during the season. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck this week. Uh, We'll see you out of the ballpark. All right. Thank you, Scott. You got it. That is Rage Occasion at softball coach Jerry Glasgow number of things in there um, to unpack, you know, I think for softball fans. And one of the things, like, you know, if you talk to Jerry right after a game, it's very different the way he talks right after a loss and the emotions are high when he has some time to sort of sit and uh, reflect and, you know, sleep on it, if you will. But, you know, he said, I think they're kind of where we thought they'd be. But the unfortunate thing in there was about Raina O'Neill. Talking about a hand injury that he said initially they thought it was day-to-day, but it looks to be more serious. And that right there is, you know, that's somewhat ominous. He's not sure of the complete status yet. They should know the extent later this week, and they'll probably, you know, once they do have, have an announcement. That was his words. I mean, they... How much they missed her last season when she was out. I mean, she's best player on the team. That's tough right there. That's tough. And the Georgia State loss, that was a bad RPI loss. But they got a chance in terms of RPI games. These two wins, they are, that's, this is, you don't have too many more opportunities for, for big matchups that can help you RPI-wise. It can be the difference between being a two or a three and and a lot of things when it comes to the postseason. So big moment, big matchup, two big ones this Wednesday against Texas. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio, sponsored by Bet Rivers. Every day at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, Louisiana, you'll find line specials, daily boosted odd, parlays of the day, and more. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at BetRivers.com. Speaking of betting, you got your bracket? You got your bracket ready to go? If you're going to be filling out brackets, make sure that you enter our million-dollar bracket challenge. Right? Because it ain't just, well, have a perfect bracket of a million dollars. It's also, look, you predict 60 or more games, we'll give you 10 grand. We'll give you 10 grand. 
Head to ESPNLafayette.com or the ESPN Lafayette app. Kick, click on a bracket challenge. Fill out your bracket. You have your first four games happening Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Thursday is when the real fun begins. Wall-to-wall college basketball, y'all. One thing that kind of annoys me when I'm looking at the bracket, and this is something I feel like the, 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 the committee does every year. They put two good mid-majors against one another in the first round. Now, on one hand, okay, that means one of them will be in the round of 32, but Murray State taking on San Francisco, a 7-10 match, come on. Put San Francisco against USC. Put Murray State against, I don't know, Miami, Ohio, something. Virginia Tech. Give me, I, I, you. If it's a first round matchup and it's a good, and I'm talking about a good mid major, you know, obviously your 16 seeds are going to be going up against a power team, but for those strong mid majors that are going to be seated anywhere from like six to like 11, don't have them play one another in the first round. That's just that's just lame. Give me the upsets, man. Give it to me. Give it to me. Why not? ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Georgia State, oof. You know, I told you guys, though. I told you that if it wasn't going to be Texas State, the Sun Belt champion would probably be a 16 seed. I said it for a while, and then when Georgia State won the tourney, I'm like, yeah, look at their resume. They're, maybe they're a 15. They're kind of hot. Why not? I, I don't know why I... Started to waffle on it because not only they're 16, they're playing the number one overall seed in Gonzaga. That's where the Sun Belt is as a conference right now, guys. That certainly wasn't the case years ago. That wasn't the case for a long time. That's been the case the last several years. And no, it's not like Georgia State was a team in the Sun Belt like, what was it, Little Rock, like nine years ago when they were when they made a, they were in the playing game, but they had no one, no one. They, they were they finished seventh. No one thought they were going to win the tournament, and they did. And they played their win. No, Georgia State was three in the tourney. They were playing well. They're on a long winning streak. You know, and they get to take on the number one seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs in the West Region first round contest in Portland, Oregon, where there'll be plenty of Zags fans. Georgia State has a long road trip. They do have a ten game winning streak. But hey, I don't think this is Georgia State upsetting a higher seed like they did against Wisconsin way back when, 21 years ago, or like they did, you know, seven years ago when they were a 14 seed and beat Baylor by a point. No, I think they're going to probably get run out the gym. We don't have a gym. Yeah, that's what Will Wade said one day. A lot of folks like to say, Will Wade is a gangster. Well, no, he was just a crooked college basketball coach in terms of following the rules, which he didn't openly. It was no secret. But if you subscribe to the whole idea of, oh, well, he's a gangster, well, I got news for you. Real life gangster stories, 99.9, 99% of them do not end well for the gangster. But why did it take 
a little over three years for LSU to fire Will Wade. As most things do in sports, particularly pro and college, comes back to finance, money. I'll explain next, plus open phone lines at 337-269-1077. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. Life has changed. Now that's an understatement. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Monday, quarter to eight. Phone lines open, 337-269-1077. We discussed Deshaun Watson rumors, the Saints, and the first segment and talked to Coach Glasgow, talked to Little March Madness as well. LSU is six seed. They'll play Friday night at 620 against Iowa State. And if they win that, they'll have a matchup against either 14 seed Colgate or 3 seed Wisconsin. How will LSU do without their head coach or assistant coach who were both fired on Saturday? The truth is, when Will Wade was caught on a wiretap talking about a uh, strong offer for Javante Smart, strong <clears throat> offer. Pretty infamous FBI wiretap. I felt like yeah, the, the the doors might be closing on Wade pretty soon. Well, he wasn't fired until 1,097 days later. Now, why did it take as long as it did? A couple of reasons. But the big one, as is usually the case with questions in terms of why when it comes to sports, is money. See, Wade did not work with the NCAA at all. He didn't hand over anything. He got quiet. He ended up handing over some documents, but not all of what was requested. But the point is, at some point, Joe Oliva brought him back, but with changes to his contract. Joe Oliva, the former athletic director at LSU. So Oliva was, you know, reinstating Wade in 2019 as, you know, the wiretap surfaced. He he suspended him, reinstated him, and then months later, Scott Woodward took over. And he took over after Oliva had negotiated Wade's post-contract, excuse me, his contracts like post-suspension. So the renegotiation was, hey, we can fire you with cause if the NCAA accuses you of level one or level two violations. Now, maybe there was a stretch there where LSU's like, you know what? If all they have is that wiretap, that might not be damning enough. 
which some people would say, what? Might not be damning enough, might not be enough evidence for a level one or level two violation. We'll see. But really, it took the NCAA three years, but they finally you know, gave LSU their notice of allegations last week, most of them against basketball, a little bit about football. And Will Wade was accused um, and, and shown through the investigation by the NCAA of committing five level one infractions just by himself. More or less paying players. In some cases, it was through an account from his wife. In other cases, it was through a handler. In one case, it was to um, a former fiance of a player who was essentially blackmailing Wade of, hey, I know what you're doing, and I'll let it out if you don't pay me. And he paid her. I mean, the guy's just paying a lot of people. They're brazen about it. Oh, come on. A lot of people are paying players. Yeah, a lot of people are doing it. Maybe they're being a little more careful about it. NIL changes some things. But point is, until the NCAA actually came out with those violations and alerted LSU to the NOA, the Notice of Allegations, LSU really couldn't fire Wade with cause. And so they would have owed him money remaining on his contract. And you could have gotten into a legal court battle and it could have gotten dragged out. And there it is. Now you could say, why didn't they fire him right away? Well, what did what Woodward said and, and, and the university president said, well, they wanted to take a few days to evaluate and engage in thoughtful discussions. Really, the truth is LSU is starting the SEC tournament. They wanted to wait until they lost. But the the release from Tate and from Woodward was very, you know, it was as it should be. That was written with some help of some lawyers. This set of allegations is large and damning. They basically explain that's why they had to let go of Wade while also not admitting guilt in anything. And a big part of what they're doing here with Wade and like they know that basketball is going to get slammed. The NCAA is going to slam LSU basketball. And for everybody that's been celebrating, of, oh, well, you know, you made it interesting. You made it fun. Well, when LSU hired Will Wade, I said one thing he's got to get back, you know, he's got to fight is apathy. Well, he did that. I'll give him that. But he did it the wrong way. And not a fan of Wade. Haven't been. Won't be. I'm sure there'll be show cause for him if he ever wants to coach in the NCAA again. I mean, Will Wade said last week he looks forward to commenting with a little grin on his face after LSU's first SEC uh, tournament game. He'll probably get a lengthy show cause penalty. And for LSU basketball wise, they're again. I think they're. You're, I'm looking at probably multi multiple postseason ban. LSU has 90 days to respond to the notice of allegations. Then the NCAA's complex case unit has up to 60 days to respond to that so point is it's going to be a little while before you hear about the punishment levied on lsu but whoever they hire as their next head coach is going to know going into it and while the university will never state publicly everyone will know that that coach is getting into a situation where they're going to be extremely limited for a number of years Multiple-year postseason ban, definitely a reduction of scholarships. That's probably coming. What LSU really wants to avoid is any you know kind of big punishments to their football program. Now, nothing new really came out in terms of 
the NOA in regards to the football program that wasn't already out there. One, which was a former Our Lady of the Lakes fund that a former assistant used to pay Vidal Alexander, who was an old lineman during the Les Miles era, or families of Vidal Alexander. The other was, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. handing out $2,000 in cash after LSU won the Natty. But LSU football-wise, hey, look, we, we put a postseason bowl ban. We put up self-imposed bowl ban in 2020. We reduced our scholarships. We fired Will Wade right after you gave us our NOA. They know the hits are coming. They don't want any of them, but they would prefer them just to kind of happen in basketball and not leak over into football. And that's probably how it should be. I know there are a lot of folks around here that love LSU and root for LSU basketball. Now there are a lot of folks around here that can't stand him and don't and say, oh, well, call a T.O., Will Wade, ha-ha, tall time out, rub it in his face. Not a Will Wade guy. Personally, the truth is, as a kid, I, I used to go to those LSU games at the PMAC, the Dale Brown era. It was incredible. I remember going and seeing Harold Boudreaux in the PMAC and then his brother Carol Boudreaux in the Cajun Dome and Chris Jackson was the best college basketball player I ever saw in person. It was incredible. Young Shaq. I mean, I... LSU basketball. Followed it closely. Rooted for it. Rooted for John Brady. That final four team in 06. That was a fun team. First time in my life I actually wasn't supporting or rooting for LSU hoops was... Four years ago, when Will Wade, she was, excuse my friends, when Will Wade really showed his ass. A lot of people loved it. I didn't. So, I can at least go back to rooting for LSU a little bit. Jay checks in via email. Uh, Scott at ESPNLafayette.com, by the way, if you want to email, he says, Wade will start Wade will start coaching on the pro level just like Kelvin Sampson, come back to college in like five years. Yeah, if he gets a show cause penalty, that's what he'll do. And he will. Go on some staff somewhere for a little while and eventually make his way back to college. But Sampson, I, I'll say this. Sampson had a lot of, a lot of, supporters throughout college basketball and connections a lot there i'll say this wade wade's rep around college hoops there aren't it's not like he's a beloved guy i'm sure he's got a few friends but it's not like college coaches all over the place are like yeah that's the guy i want will wade's a gangster well how does that end for gangsters usually not good. And LSU basketball is about to suffer for it. Unfortunately for them, but that's who they hired. He made the bed. He's out. And I would say probably, geez, it'll be a while. I would say August, maybe. Probably probably sometime in August, you'll hear about the punishment for, for LSU hoops. And, and, and Scott Woodward, you look at the hires he's made. Whether, you know, since he's been at LSU, Kim Malky. Brian Kelly, no one saw happening, you know. They, they, Malky leaves Baylor. Kelly leaves Notre Dame. 
whenever Woodward was at A&M, he had Jimbo Fisher leave Florida State to go to A&M, which I thought Jimbo had no problem with, or Buzz Williams getting to A&M, or when he got Chris Peterson to leave for Boise State, leave Boise State, go to Washington. And even though in a lot of those cases, I think some of those folks were ready for a change. My point is, big names, right? He's He's got the old reputation of being a big game fisher. It's going to be a bit different with men's hoops. Probably an up-and-comer, somebody that doesn't have a strong, proven track record like some of these other hires he's made because they know that you're going to be having several years of sanctions. I have no idea what Will Wade's going to do next, but the fact that he said he looks forward to commenting. Yeah. Wait and hear what he has to say. Eight o'clock hour coming your way. Jay Walker will be on with me tomorrow, by the way, in the eight o'clock hour. Sure, he'll have some thoughts. In the meantime, we'll take a break. Coach Matt Degg scheduled to join me at 8.15. Cajuns take two of three on the diamond this weekend from Houston. Jeff Wilson, complete game yesterday. El Jefe. We'll talk about what unfolded on the diamond. More on the NCAA tournament. Get your brackets ready. And Tom Brady, we really haven't gotten into Tom Brady yet. Vin Diesel is very disappointed in Tom Brady, right? I'll explain that more. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We're right back right after this. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette. A Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show coming at you on this Monday. Coach Matt Deggs, Rage Cajun baseball coach, joining me at 8.15. We'll talk about the series win over the weekend against Houston. We talked Cajun softball last hour with Coach Glasgow. Talked about the Saints, NFL free agency, Deshaun Watson. We talked Will Wade. Haven't gotten into, we talked about the NCAA tournament, of course, the bracket. Haven't gotten into Tom Brady yet. Tom Brady deciding he was just going to cuck the the NCAA tournament. Coming back, Vin Diesel's pretty disappointed in Tom Brady. Nothing's more important than family. Well, Brady went back and said he was retiring to spend more time with his family. And after 40 days, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go back and play. The dude will be 45 years old next season. He said he thought he was going to play till he's 45, so should we really be surprised? At this point, when it comes to Brady, literally nothing would surprise me. But he couldn't resist. He couldn't resist. 
returning for his 23rd season. I mean, heck, there was a video that came out yesterday morning where he's hanging out with Cristiano, with, uh, with Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, and he's like, you coming back? And Brady's like, ah, that's what I don't know. Yeah, he knew he's coming back. I mean, he threw for over 5,000 yards and 43 touchdowns last season. Love him or hate him, and I'm not a fan. I mean, the Bucks went from what the hell are we going to do, and you had Bruce Arian saying, well, I'm not ruling out maybe starting Blaine Gabbert, to now Brady's back. I don't, I, 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 I acknowledge that this take could be completely off, and y'all can roast me for it. At some point next year, I feel like Brady's really going to regret this. As good as he was at times last year. That body, one more hit. Allie Marpet retired. Bucks, Bucks, yeah, they're over the cap, but they they can maneuver like this. If they want to make one more go, one more run, they can. And they will. Now that Brady's back. They're not going to have him come back at 45 years old and then be like, well... We're going to go ahead and try to save cap space. How about that? I don't remember the guy's name. is. Some, some guy that covers the Vikings had a tweet out last week about the importance of cap space and why it's better for that, that for the Jags and the teams that are not running up future. Yeah, it's really worked out well for the Jags, hadn't it, the Vikings. But it didn't work out well for the Rams last year, them kind of just not worrying about the cap restrictions they may have in the future. Oh, look at the Saints. Look at the Saints have won a lot of games in the last five years. Hadn't won a Super Bowl. Rams did. Bucks are going to make a run at it. They will. But really the guy that you got to feel the most for is the poor sap that decided he was going to spend $519,000 on an auction for the last touchdown throw of Brady's career. $519,000 at an auction, and after he purchased it, a few hours later, boom, Brady's back. Unless he has some kind of major setback and never plays football again, and no one is expecting that, he will play next season. That football just goes from, oh, look, he threw another touchdown in the you know fourth quarter of a loss. Mike Evans, by the way, gave that ball you know just away to a, a, a fan in the stands, which is which is a habit of him. Shout out to the fan that grabbed that and put it up for auction. I mean, it really five hundred and nineteen. The starting bid was a hundred grand. Talk about getting. Talk about just a winning lotto ticket being handed to you. But you know when you you know you hear these stories about the lotto, and if you don't cash it in within the year, it's null and void. Whoever put that thing up for auction, it's a good thing they didn't wait any longer. 519,000 down the drain. 
oh, cool, what football is that? Ah, it's a, it's a touchdown Brady threw in a game and a loss in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, where'd you get that? Ah, I spent $519,000 on it. I mean, that's that's about as good an investment as Calvin Ridley's gambling career. Not a good return there. Not a good return. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Legal tampering period begins today at 11 o'clock. Teams can start negotiating, which, by the way, Brady and the Bucks have not worked out a new contract yet. He's on the books for 10.4 mil, which is the placeholder from the one-year extension he signed last March. Now that he's committed to returning, they'll, they'll work something out. I mean, he's going to play for 10.4 mil. He made 44.4 million with incentives last season. There's, I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. 10.4 mil. Maybe Brady just doesn't care at this point. His wife makes more than him. They're collectively worth over a billion dollars. Clearly, it's just about football over family. I mean, hey. And Brady probably looked at the NFC South and the NFC as a whole and was like, really? I mean, I I threw for 5,300 yards and 43 touchdowns last season. Yeah, I lost to the Saints twice and they beat me up and shut me out. But other than that, I did really well. Look at at the NFC South right now. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. Look at the NFC as a whole. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is back, but who else is scaring you? Matt Stafford just won a Super Bowl, but is he scaring you? There were rumors that Brady never really wanted to retire. He just didn't want to play for Bruce Arians anymore. And he wanted to get to Las Vegas so he could reunite with his former OC New England, Josh McDaniels, which I'm not buying. If you're going to, if you're Tom Brady and you're going to be 45 next season, do you really want to go play in the AFC West against teams with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? And Russell Wilson. Or do you want to play in the NFC South? Where right now, you have Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, and Taysom Hill. Who is undergoing or recently underwent surgery for a Liz Frank injury. Yes, that is going to look different. But is it going to just come anywhere close by the time free agency ends and trades in? Is it going to come close to looking anything like the AFC West? No. Today, the NFC South is the weakest division in the NFL. And maybe a month from now, it won't be, but it'll probably be at least bottom two, maybe at the bottom. The AFC West is number one today and will be number one in a month. Facts. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Jerry emails. Scott, I can't say I'm surprised about Tom Brady returning. I never really expected him to retire. My question is this. Can the guy that bid all that money at the auction get his money back? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I, I say I don't think so. I have no idea. I seriously doubt it. His final career touchdown ball, which sold for 518 or 519, according to the auction site Leland's. 
He bought it two days ago, and then it finalized and closed a few hours before, following a six-week retirement. Rather than being preserved in a museum, which who cares? Here you go. You can buy it. Now, I, I, yeah. Brady's first ever career touchdown, that ball was also sold on the auction site for 428841 That one was caught by the late Terry Glenn, who also happened to, like Mike Evans, toss it in the stands, to which someone put it up for bid. See, that's always going to be his first. You know, go ahead. Bid on that one. Sheesh. No, I, I have no idea, but Jerry, I doubt it. Talk about a bad beat. ESPN Lafayette, Jeff Wilson, complete game. Cajun offense over the weekend on the diamond, picking up a bunch. We're going to talk about that and more with our next guest, head coach Matt Deggs, joins me right after this. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Braithwaite. The Great Scott Show continues after this short timeout. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, the head coach of Raging Cajun Baseball, Coach Matt Deggs. Good morning, Coach. I, you know, I thought about you yesterday because while folks complain or applaud daylight savings time, I was like, you know, on one hand, I'm sure Coach Deggs is is happy to to get you know get back and get playing an hour earlier. But on the other, you're always hoping for like more hours in a day. So you're probably not like a fan of yesterday. They took an hour away from you. You wish there were 48 hours in a day, not 23. Were you okay yesterday? Just 48 hours in Monday. That's that's a that's that's what I'm hoping for. But no, I like more sunlight, man. I wish it'd stay sunlight till about nine o'clock, which it might. You know, a few months down the road here, uh, I'll trade the hour for more sunlight. There you How go. That? Well, that that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, and I, let's just talk about yesterday's game first. I want to kind of look back at, at the weekend with you as a whole. But as you said, uh, I believe on social media, a masterpiece. I mean, El Jefe is his nickname. But Jeff Wilson, you know, formerly a reliever, goes a complete game yesterday. Fanned, I think, 10 batters, allowed only four hits. It was... Um, you know, yesterday's performance was about as strong as as we've seen from you guys this season, and I think for Jeff Wilson, maybe at the beginning of the year when folks saw him as the Sunday starter, they were like, "Okay, with what he showed yesterday, it no one's saying that anymore." I mean, he was he was terrific yesterday, Coach. I mean, there's just really no other way well, to say it. That's uh, you know, that's that's what fans do. It's you know, you get to debate stuff, and uh, my job is to make you know, decisions based on experience and, and, uh, you know, having been through this a few times, uh, the kid can pitch, right. I thought he was better as a starter 
than a reliever. Uh, as a one inning stint guy, you've got to step on the gas a little bit more. And uh, that's just not him. Uh, so, look, everybody's got a key, right? That'll unlock them. And uh, it'll unlock your true, true potential. And as a coach uh, or a leader, sometimes you get to unlock somebody. And then, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you don't. And, uh, but I think, uh, you know, Hefe, El Hefe has found his true calling and starting because he's able to settle in and, and, uh, do what I, I call throw bat in practice. And, uh, pitching is nothing more than throwing bat in practice. And, uh, when you can make somebody hit the ball when you want them to hit it or get a weak swing or get a take, uh, when you want to take, then you're in control. And, uh, he threw BP for about three hours yesterday. And, you know, the only difference is he didn't want hard contact. He wanted weak contact, and that's what he got. It was um, a, a performance yesterday for you guys, 10-1 to 1 the final. You, you win the series. Let's go back to how the weekend started. You're, you're eight innings into a tie game. Uh, Heath Hood, a pair of homers. Will Veyon, I mean, lightning strikes you gotta begin the game the next day and so it's not really a double header of sorts you just you pick up a tie game and you have a few innings to try to win it you guys did but what what's how does your coaching get altered whenever it's a game that you're you're beginning in progress before you play another game that day what goes into the pitching decision making how does it change your job a little bit well todd and i had pretty much agreed you know on Friday, right? Because we moved the game up because we knew a front was coming in and it was going to be a lot of start-stop. So uh, we moved it up and then agreed at the plate, look, if this stuff sets in, it's going to set in. So we weighed out the first lightning strike. There's another one. Let's, all right, let's go. Uh, we're not going to sit here all night. and Because and, I, knew, I knew Saturday was going to be a great day to play. And uh, so we get out and uh, <clears throat> we had talked about the fact they're going to hit and run first pitch. So we want to start both bonds uh, Saturday, actually. Well, let's start in both games. And I've been able to do that a couple of times in my career with, with relievers. And it's always worked out pretty good. I don't know why. Uh, but Bo has depth to a breaking ball. So we spent a breaking ball first pitch, and they do hit and run. And, uh, you know, Julian's able to tax that, and he's done a great job of just taxing guys when he should. And, and uh he does it and gets us off to a great start. And, uh, you know, and then Kyle DeBarge does what he does and, and uh, just creates, you know, reaches on a knock and then uses his legs to make it all the way around the bases. Pretty phenomenal. Kind of kind of got us rolling. And uh, then we were able to execute a few things that they gave us. So uh, it was a good way to start. I wish we'd have carried that momentum into the second game. Uh, but we were just too generous there in that one inning. And uh, that's that's in our loss has been the thing is generosity. Uh, so come out yesterday, have a have a good meeting, and just uh, you know ask them how uh, how this uh, play and not to lose is working out for. Them. And they all agreed it sucks and uh, it's not fun. I said, well, uh, we're going to play uh, with the gas pedal all the way down, then, unafraid to crash and burn, and uh, we're going to embrace it. Because look, if you want, if you're going to make an impression. Then make an impression. Don't make a half-hearted impression. Either set records great or set records bad. One way or another, let's go all the way. And uh, they really latched onto that yesterday. And I thought I think you saw their true potential as a team yesterday, led by Jeff Wilson. 
Yeah, you, you've referenced Jeff, you know, El Jefe, his nickname, as being one of those guys, not not even just a glue guy, but one of those vocal kind of go-to leaders um, that, 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 you know, the team tends to rally around. So seeing the reaction whenever he finished that complete game yesterday, um, not a surprise, but also just, I think, telling in a lot of ways of how his teammates feel about him, how they look to him as as being one of your leaders in that clubhouse. Jeff's a true man. I mean, he is a very gentle soul, but yet tough and demanding. Uh, he's he's very, very smart, uh, very, very confident, but it's quiet. He's not afraid to speak up. You know, I sat in front of the whole clubhouse one day. I said, I hope my my little girls one day bring home a man like, like Jeff Wilson. He he just stands for everything I believe in, and uh, it's never about him. And and you know his team his teammates tried to congratulate him yesterday, and it was just it's still not about him. And I really respect that about him. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, Rage Cajun baseball coach Matt Deggs, our guest coach. Um, in the win uh, on Saturday in the game that continued from Friday, uh, you you stole home. Connor Kimple got there. Um, how many times have you as a coach stolen home, would you say, in your career? And what goes into a decision like that when you feel like, okay, this is going to be successful right here? Ooh. I don't know. You could count them on both hands. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah. That's how hard it is. Uh, I don't know the, the number. I, I know uh, what you do remember is super regional tie game. Bases drunk, 2-2 count, two outs. And their guy's supposed to spike a breaking ball. This is when I'm at A&M and we're at Rice with the old man Wayne Graham, who was just as sharp as a tack. He's supposed to spike a breaking ball in the dirt and it hangs. And we barely get thrown out. Those are the ones you remember, man. That was just a all-in move right there and uh one that i still think about probably shouldn't have done that uh but it's got a setup right that's why you don't see it a whole lot you've got to have the right guy the right hitter that you're not afraid to burn his at bat right and uh you got to have a guy out of the windup that's going to be at least three seconds to the plate it t- i don't care who you are it's going to take three seconds and uh you got to have a 20-foot lead so that's to the end of the coaching box there's a lot that goes into it. No doubt. Well, you, you, what, what moment did you feel like Saturday you were like, I'm making this call. Like, was it, did you feel, oh, did you, did you preconceive? came into the game. There you I go. I saw it when the kid came into the game. So it happened, uh, watching him warm up. Uh, and then I knew I was going to squeeze J-Bo, uh, and watching him warm up, I'm like, all right, if this does set up, I'm not, we're not going to hesitate here because I know what's going to happen. See, when he went out of the he he went out of a windup, which is tricky on a on a double squeeze, right? Because you practice timing out of the stretch, so you got to really kind of hold your water, and because uh, you don't want to tip it, and especially the guy if a lefty's on the bump, the guy at first could really tip the tip this because he's running too. Uh, so you got to kind of wait until that front foot starts to land, but out of the windup, you got to hold that water a little bit longer. So 
so anyway, the kid goes out of the windup against J-Bo on the squeeze. And, and when you see that, you go, okay, if this happens again and we got two outs, this is what we're going to do. And you, you use stuff like that, Scott, to finish people. I don't suggest using that to try to win a game. Gotcha. That, that was a, that was a, uh, that's mental warfare type stuff, uh, which hopefully our team gets to the point where they take advantage of that for about the next four hours. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Uh, yeah, I, I've always been kind of fascinated about what goes into, because it's, 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 people talk about the triple play or, you know, the grand slam. I'm always like stealing home. I mean, it's so rare in baseball and and of course when it works is even more rare that you know I, I i jotted down i was like i gotta gotta ask coach deggs about this on uh on monday morning so no thanks for the it's perspective on play. it and you we you know you practice it but we i haven't stole i bet it's been i don't know how many years since we've had successful still at home that's how rare it is you get a little rush when you make it when you when you make the call and you know it's about to go down Oh, yeah, man. When you make any, uh, you know, these are momentum swing calls. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's a euphoria in it one way or another, right? Yeah. It's it's like you're about to jump out of an airplane. Well, when it doesn't and, work, uh, I don't know that it's still euphoric, though, right? I mean, there might be. Like no, it sucks. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, but all the fun's in trying. Sure. So, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest. Coach, I wanted to ask you um, just briefly about Heath Hood, seeing his power on display uh, Friday. And, um, you know, I'll I'll get I'll have some questions about the offense as a whole this week. But in particular, him, this young man, the uh, the JUCO transfer, I know he was a an All-American at Tyler Junior College. But uh, showing some of his power as a batter, as a player, what's something about Heath Hood that – you know, the, the average fan might not know about him, and, and what, what makes him tick? Well, he could have played uh, college football. That's a, that's a fun fact. Uh, he was recruited as a college football player, and uh, I guess loved baseball so much, you know, he wanted to go to, to Tyler, and Coach Wells is an amazing recruiter for us, and uh, he found him, man, out of deep East Texas, and uh, he's one of our best signs. Look, Heath Hood, for me, is Seth Harrison. I mean, just all over again, from the type of kid he is to, you know, am I aggressive? Am I not aggressive? Do I want to make a mistake? You know, there's a little bit of tap dancing. But, man, when he decides to push that gas pedal, it's 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 freaky. I mean, you don't just hit a line drive out, you know. You don't jump ship dead central here. That just don't happen. That's, that's Mike Strunz type stuff. And, uh, hey, boy, he did it on a line. Uh, no, think Seth Harrison. When you see Hood, that's Seth Harrison. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, football. I mean, anytime you're a uh, an all-district uh, all MVP at quarterback in high school football in Texas, then, yeah, you've, you've got some talent in that sport, no doubt. No, and he's a great kid. Uh, his teammates love him. Uh, you know, we uh, – when he relaxes and has fun and play hard, hey, he's got a lot of ability. Uh, so we tasked him with getting picked off yesterday. We just need you to get picked off. And he checked that box and then went crazy in the dugout. When you can play like that, then you know what? The game's fun again. 
for education at baseball coach Matt Deggs. You said just whenever guys kind of get loose and have fun, that's when they play well. You feel like that happened with your offense this weekend, coach? Because when your batting average goes up nearly twenty five points, there were there was a lot working for you guys this weekend. What was the biggest key in your mind to that success at the plate? Well, look, the the two most overused words in baseball are have fun. I mean, what's fun is getting it done, right? That's what's fun. But the only way to get it done is to go fast, hard, and lose, man. And and that's true fun. Batting average is a lie, all right? So am I a 050 hitter? Is that who I am when I wake up? Or am I a 400 hitter that's trying to hold on to it? You know, both guys are not going to be satisfied if you take a poll. If I'm hitting 200 and I say, are you satisfied? No. If I ask, uh, you know, a 400 hitter, are you satisfied? He's going to say no. It's it's all a lie. It's like having 30 grand in your account and then uh, all of a sudden you got a million. And you were just like, man, I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had. Guess what? Hey, Jack, you still live in paycheck to paycheck. You, nobody's ever going to be satisfied. It's a lie. You're chasing a ghost. That's the thing about batting average. It's a decision you make when you wake up every day. Hey, I'm the best in the country today, man. I don't care if I'm hitting 200 or 400. Everybody's day-to-day. Everybody. The trick is you got to be unafraid to swing hard in case you hit it. And uh, I think, you know, we're getting close to that point with this group. That's what separated the 14 team. Is <laughs> they had fun scrapping. They wasn't about anything else. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. You mentioned the 14 team. You know, Coach Robe would reference the World Series team a lot sometimes when he would talk to us in the media, but he also made it a point to say, you know, we, we try not to, to, to really talk about teams of the past, but I think what he meant was like last year's team or teams from the past that still have players currently on this team. Do you reference teams from the past to your team in 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 if you do sort of what yeah, in what regard to. I mean you have to we're in cells right <laughs> that's that's our business is cells so I mean if if I'm in cells you think I'm not going to take a pamphlet and and uh, you know show presentations of things that we've done and can do that's what we're in we're selling a belief that this is what we're capable of I, I mean. On, on Friday, I showed him a video of the 2017 uh, Sam Houston State team that went to a Super Regional. And because that team, coming down the stretch, got swept, got two out of three taken from them, got swept, got swept, two out of three taken from them. How about that? And then winds up in a Super Regional. It's We're all day-to-day, man. We're all day-to-day. It's what you believe you are. And either you can let a number define you or you can let – who you know you are to find you. And, uh, you know, wake up today as the best player in the country. Your 15 games. That's what it's all about, man. You're, uh, you're 15 games into the season, Coach. Sell me on this. Sell our listeners on your team right now. Well, look, we have the 23rd strength of schedule in the country. We're 8-7, and seven, okay? I'm going to give us 10-5. and five. We, The Arkansas game, we, we just – that was in the bag. We blew it. Had a game taken from us against uh, Southern Miss. I'm not going to go into that, but it's a fact. And uh, 
you know, so you look at it and you go, dang, man, they, they won the series against the top 25 team UCI. They uh, could have, should have won the series against Southern Miss. They just won a series against a, a really good U of H team. Should have taken Arkansas down, uh, you know, in freezing temperatures over in Round Rock. Uh, could be 10 and 5. They're 8 and 7. Boy, they've grinded to this point. Now we're about to hit conference, and it's going to get hot and warm, and the wind's going to start blowing out. Okay. McNeese Wednesday, conference play starts Friday, and job well done, by the way, on the sales. Did you ever, like, I, I know you've been in baseball your whole life. Did you ever have a sales job briefly in your life that just wasn't attached to baseball, by the way? Are you kidding me? I mean, I had to ask, Coach. I, no, I'm serious. Did you? Have you? I mean, you're you good know, salesman. You know I got fired because I was a drunk at a right? Yeah. Then I worked at a feed mill, and then I was the worst pharmaceutical sales guy in the country <sighs> pharmaceutical sales that's a hard Did job you read the book? that's a hard job uh coach have I, read the book? I i have not read the book no are you kidding me i haven't read it i thought you were setting me up right there <laughs> no i was terrible i was i haven't, I haven't no i actually haven't i haven't read it now there's a couple of books i haven't sell read. what i love to do gotcha other than that no no i checked out early every day and went and played golf it was terrible. Now, I do plan on reading it this summer. So when I do, and this is after baseball season ends, are you cool if I just sort of text you with comments or commentary or have a few questions? I'm going to give you one. All right, good. You always do, Coach. That's why I love talking to you every Monday morning. McNeese State. I'm going to give you a book. Uh, next time I see you, I'll come get it. I, when can I come get it? Uh, I don't, I'll call you. How about that? All right, I'm down. I'm down. Now, I do most of my reading in the summertime because that's really the only time I have it. <laughs> I do. I get, I get time off in the summer, and I usually read. I, I was saying this last week. Was, I was interviewing someone last week, a friend of mine who recently wrote a book. He's like, have you read it yet? I'm like, no. I mean, you just released it in December. It? His name is Mike Neighbors, and, and he was promoting it. And I was like, I will read it, but I cannot read it until this summer. He's like, fair enough, fair enough. But he didn't offer me one it? like you. It's a, he, he covers the Saints, so it's a book about... He 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 talked to Drew Brees after every single game for like 16 years. Oh, so wow. it's it's about it's about Drew Brees and and you know when he played not just with the Saints but his whole career. So yeah. So now I've got two reading famous. books this summer. So now two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books on my desk. And what I've got? What are they? All right. The Legacy by James Kerr. It's the story of the All Blacks. That's a rugby team down in uh, New Zealand, Australia. Okay. They're un- they're just undisputed, the best culture in the world. Uh, I have a book called Humility. I have Managing for Results by Peter Drucker. I have On Becoming a Leader by Warren Bennis. I have Execution, the Discipline of Getting Things Done. I have Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business by uh, Gino Wickman. I have the story of baseball and the 100 photographs. And I have a decades journal given to me by the Bayou Church uh, on there. Yeah, all books that people just, people like to give me books and uh, get them and go through them and leave them on my desk. I know you did a lot of writing during the pandemic. Did I'm guessing you also read a number of books during that time? 
No, I wrote one, the pack offense. Well, I said I said and, you uh, wrote. I said you did a lot of no, writing. No, when you're writing, you're definitely not reading. That's it. No, it's like it's like going to speak. You don't listen to all the other speakers because that's just going to jack you up. Gotcha. You just go speak when it's your turn. Um, you guys have McNeese State on the road. Your next five are on the road. I know your last seven have been at home. Now the two last week, midweek, got rescheduled. But, um, you know, you've you've had a number of games at neutral sites and then one true road game. What do you want to see out of your team here over the next five on the road, Coach? And, of course, the three this weekend, you're, you're starting conference play. Hey, I want to see them go head downhill on people, man. You know, just unafraid to crash and burn. That's when you get that. That's the essence of playing, man. And that's all I want to see. I'm not. I don't care about the scoreboard. I want to see them have fun and get after it. All right. Well, I can't wait to uh, get 15 to 28 from you and read it this summer. Looking forward to uh, seeing you guys this week. Uh, Jay Walker's got the call on the radio. Brad Topham with him in the booth. Louisiana versus McNeese State. And then three against Troy this week. And those will be over on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Coach, appreciate you um, coming on on Monday. And uh, sorry it's not 48 hours, but always enjoy our conversations, man. And uh, you kind of, you know, yeah. if I'm ever lagging Me on too. a Monday, like, like, I'll be honest, I kind of do after daylight savings. and uh, But you you, you kind of give me that yeah, jolt you're, idea. Uh, you're a little slow motion today, man. <laughs> I need to get you going. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the juice. <laughs> I appreciate the juice, Coach. All the best, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thanks, Scotty. I'll see you. You got it. All right. That is Coach Matt Deggs. No, I have not read 15 to 28. I think he's like, have you read the book? Like, no. I The worst pharmaceutical salesman ever. My reading list for the summer gets longer and longer. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Should be good. ESPN Lafayette. I'm looking forward to this week in sports. We mentioned, you know, UL softball. They got two against Texas Wednesday. Cajun baseball at McNeese State. Now, most midweek baseball games are on ESPN Lafayette. This week and on March 30th, when UL softball plays Texas, the baseball team will be over on their weekend home, which is News Talk 96.5 KPL. So take a note. Looking forward to it. This is ESPN Lafayette. I'm Scott Prather. I want to remind you, Patty in the Park is this Thursday. Talking about things we're looking forward to this week. Patty in the Park, St. Patrick's Day. Sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. Not St. Patrick's Day. That would be Patty in the Park that is sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. St. Patrick's Day doesn't have a sponsor, but if it did, I'm pretty sure it would be St. Patrick. This Thursday, you got the locals like Clay Cormier and the legend himself, Wayne Toops, performing. You also got throwbacks. You got Coach Babineau's favorites, Rob Bass, Quad City DJs, Tone Loke. It is happening this Thursday, Park International, downtown Lafayette. Get your tickets now at every Legends location for $20. Kids 12 and under get in free, by the way. You can get them online as well at eventbrite.com. Get them now because if you wait till Thursday, the app is going to cost you 25 The weather's going to be fantastic. Food will be sold. Drinks will be sold there as well. The food is sponsored by La Pizzeria. It's going to be a blast. Two years in the making. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to March Madness. Open phone lines coming your way next. 337-269-1077. Take a quick time out. We'll be back. March Madness. Everybody filling out their brackets. What's the point, really? I'll tell you. 
right after this on ESPN Live. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Into the Grace Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette Studio, sponsored by Bed Rivers. Every day at Bed Rivers, Sportsbook Louisiana, you'll find line specials, parlays of the day, daily boosted odds, and more. Learn more at bedrivers.com. If you miss any of today's show, you can hear it in about an hour. On the ESPN Lafayette app, you can click On Demand. It'll pull up the podcast. You can go to ESPNLafayette.com, click on Podcasts on the What's Hot Bar, or you can just subscribe to the Great Scott Show podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Good interviews with Coach Matthew Allen at Deggs, Coach Jerry Glasgow. Talked about Saints and Deshaun Watson a good bit in the opening segment. My thoughts on it. There's a lot to unfold there. We did that in the first segment. Had plenty of thoughts on Will Wade and um, talked about Tom Brady as well. Phone lines are open 337-269-1077, 337-269-1077. Jay Walker will be in tomorrow at 8 with me for Terrible Tune Tuesday. And we will also... Have James Butler, former Raging Cajun wide receiver, Saints Pelican superfan, former Packers wide receiver, James Butler. It's been a little while since the State Trooper has been on with me. He will be in studio from 7 to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. March Madness. Oh, you're going to win a million dollars if you fill out the perfect bracket. You're going to win a billion dollars. You're going to win a hundred, whatever. You're not filling out a perfect bracket. Mathematically, it's just, it's never going to happen, ever. No one's ever going to do it. The fact that a computer can't do it tells you all you need to know. Seriously. Every imaginable possible outcome, you can't just go on a computer, do it, and then submit a gazillion different brackets. But wherever you do it, Filling out your bracket. Do it over with us. Do, do the Town Square Media Bracket, ESPNLafayette.com. Click on uh, Bracket Madness because you don't have to have a perfect bracket. I mean, if you do, we'll give you a million bucks. But you can just 60 picks or more correctly. We're going to give you 10 grand. Go do it. Do your pick them. Do your pick them. See, what I love about March Madness is the underdogs, right? The underdogs. Now, it might be the underdog Cinderella story that doesn't win at all. Or it might be an underdog that's a good team, but just not a traditional huge Cinderella, but makes a big run. Tell you what, the 85 Villanova Wildcats, the fact that they were unranked 
in the AP poll when the season ended. They were unranked in the preseason AP poll, and they beat the team that was pretty much number one all year, and they did it in what was described as the perfect game, the true David versus Goliath, beating the number one ranked Georgetown Hoyas, who were 35-2. and two. Villanova was like 19-10 and 10 going into the tournament. But when you shoot 80% from the field, they played as close to a perfect game as they could in the natty, one by two. Now that was 37 years ago. But every year, whether it be the national champion, whether it be a Cinderella that makes a run, there is a story. There is a story. Sometimes multiple stories. What's going to be the story this year? First of all, you know whatever Duke does, they're going to be following. Coach K's final game, probably going to end in a loss. But you're looking at potential matchups against Izzo in the second round? Yeah. Maybe taking on UConn or Gonzaga in the Sweet 16? I don't see them, you know. I, I, I do not, I would not put Duke in the Final Four. But boy, the media really, really wants them there. And I don't even blame them. For storyline purposes, it'd be huge. Arizona, Baylor, Kansas, Gonzaga. It's not going to be four ones in the final four, but they're going to be two ones there. There will be. In the final four, which is in New Orleans this year and the culmination of this great thing, very rarely, if ever, is the best part of the dance. And it's not until April. No one says, hey, what's the best sport? What's the best month on the sports calendar? Oh, it's April. No, you say March. And why do you say March? I say October. But why do many of you say March? It's because of that first Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's because of what is happening this week. You can vote in our poll at ESPN Lafayette. What is the best sports month of the year? 42% of you have said March, 36% of you say October, 17% say December, 6% say other. I love October because you've got the World Series, you've got the meat of the NFL and college football schedule, and you've got the start of basketball season. That's why October is my favorite. March, March is cool. NFL free agency is fun. The NBA season is fun, but it's really, you know, college baseball and college softball season is fun. You're really getting into the meat of those schedules. But the reason March is on it is because of March Madness. The moneymaker that is March Madness. Because the NCAA will distribute about 60% of its total revenue, most of which comes from this tournament to D1 schools and conferences. The governing body has allocated $625.5 million to distribute to D1 schools and conferences. That's a lot. And when you lost 246.3 mil, excuse me, when you yeah, when you when you had that big of a dip whenever the tournament was canceled, it's back. This year's allocations, whole lot of money coming from March Madness. It's not going anywhere. 
It's never changing. It might expand a little, but not a lot. It's the most iconic picture in sports. If you're talking about not a single moment, but an entity, you just put a bracket up and everyone immediately knows March Madness. 